Hi, and welcome to the Joyful Balance podcast. You're all here with your two co-hosts. I'm Mira. I'm a nutritionist with a specialist interest in nutrition for mental and cognitive well-being. And I'm here with my lovely co-host, Denise, who's a cognitive behavioral hypnotherapist who helps her clients sleep better and live healthier lifestyles. We're both here to take you on a journey of your mind, your brain and your body and how all of these three things are interlinked. And without further ado, we're going to be talking about a topic that hits close to everyone's home, which is all about emotional eating. Mm -hmm. So uh, how I always like to start the podcast is to ask how you are, Denise. Hi, everyone. I am fine. I'm, uh, I'm doing well, thank you. How, how is it uh, for you, Mira? How are you? Uh, I'll be honest, uh, if you can see the bags under my eyes, it's because I've started a new job, which is very different to the one I had before where I have been pretty much, well, no, actually almost fully at home to now being in a job where I am out of the house five days a week and mostly on my feet, uh, which is a really big change. So physically I have been challenged and I'm actually, this is really embarrassing, but I've actually got my back on a heat pad because I worked for a supplement brand and they delivered a whole bunch of supplement samples home. And I, like an idiot, didn't bend, lift with my knees or thighs, like where you, you bend your knees and I bent my back and that was silly. So my back's a little bit sore. So I'm a, I'm a bit bro- physically broken, mentally <laughs> doing well. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I mean, that that's good that mentally you're doing well. Physically, I'm so sorry to hear that, uh, that sucks yeah but uh, heat not, yeah heat works he is great he just heat therapy is so great um yeah yeah my my it's really saving my bacon right now so yeah i'm just like yeah how old do i sound i'm like plumped up on a load of like cushions and <laughs> i've got and i'm just leaning back on my on my heated pad and it's it's really helping me feel a bit more comfortable it's not too bad it's just a bit of an ache when i like bend over but yeah guys word of caution please please do as they say and bend your knees and not your back when you're lifting heavy things yes that is a lesson that we all learn at some point and then miraculously forget and then Mm -hmm. we do it wrong all over again so yeah Yeah. remember that it's a it's important for our backs and also (laughs) speaking of that i just remember something um uh, recently on social media there is this kind of video moving around and uh, it's a it's a lady dancing and the text above her goes uh the sounds you hear when a millennial dances and all you can hear is crack 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 (laughs) how depressing is that we've now (laughs) reached that age oh man that's made me really sad and what's really even worse or more insulting is that it's probably a gen z person that's done it who like <laughs> likes to point out that we're now super old well we're not super old luckily but i have to say sitting around the table full of millennials the other day and we all concurred yeah. that that's what happens oh man <laughs> that you know yeah. they have a little bit of joint ache or a knee goes out or you know some sort of pain somewhere but you know what it's part of growing older so it's okay it is it I is take yeah it. yeah, yeah. Right. So today we said we will be chatting all about emotional eating. And I wanted to Mm. um, start off by saying that not everybody is an emotional eater. Mm -hmm. And just because you have a, you know, a celebration and you reach for the cake, 
uh, and that happens once in a blue moon, that doesn't mean that you're actually an emotional eater. Or the fact that you are having, um, I don't know, a, a sad day, or you are not really, you know, with you're not joyful that day and you decide to have a little bit of ice cream. Unless that is a, a behavior that is repeated constantly or it is triggered by something specific, also doesn't qualify as an emotional um, eating habit. So I just wanted to point that one out because I've seen a lot of crazy stuff on social media saying, oh, if you're reaching for the cookies when you're having a sad day, are you an emotional eater? And I'm like, well, if it happens once, then no. But if that is your go-to method all the time, hmm, or more than half of the time, then you might be you might be an emotional eater. Yeah, I mean, I think we all have like our things, right? That we mm. all go to, and as in, and it doesn't have to be, you know. For some, it's uh, it can be a, an action. For example, like they they might like to punch a punching bag a bit more hard like that day or when mm. they go to the gym when they're having a bad day or some it is it is uh food based so we will all, all have our own individual vices and yeah it's like it's totally normal to do that on the occasional basis you know there's biological mechanisms and of course it would not be an episode of the joyful balance podcast if i didn't bring in a neurobiological mechanism but basically when your body releases more stress hormones like it it messes with your blood sugar and as a result you you will get more cravings and that's partly because of your metabolism being affected or it's because you're trying to raise your dopamine levels which is something that we can also talk about in a mm. little bit so you know please what we really want to say is don't feel guilty we've talked about this I've definitely talked about this during season one of the uh, podcast but it's not something to feel guilty over. It's understandable, that emotion. But hopefully, you know, we're going to be here giving you some ideas about what you can do instead to kind of get the uplifting feeling that doesn't necessarily mean that your relationship to, you know, food is one that is the only thing that kind of helps you feel better. Mm, yeah, exactly. That's that, That's the point of us today. It's just uh, the way that I started uh, reading about this and seeing it, because this is what triggered the, the theme in my, in my head, was questions like, have you ever experienced stressful situations and reached for a bag of crisps? And I'm like, yeah, probably half of the population. And then, the, and then the next sentence was, this is emotional eating. And I'm like, hmm, for doing it once, I don't think so. Yeah. So that's what I, I wanted to to point out because obviously we do have a very strong connection between emotions and food, and mm -hmm. in many cultures, food is considered the reward for you know doing something good, and that's the way we've been brought up. But I think we need to also remind ourselves what is emotional eating and what is not. Yeah, absolutely, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what is emotional eating is from my point of view, emotional eating is when people use food to deal with their feelings instead of satisfying hunger, i.e. you're not physically hunger, hungry, you mm -hmm. are struggling with some sort of emotion. And emotions doesn't have to be only the negative ones. So we don't, uh, um, the emotional eaters are not eating just because they're sad or bored or angry. It might as well just be because they're happy and joyful. So mm. it's, 
the sometimes it's just the connection between oh you are depressed or sad or you have a low mood therefore you're eating well no emotional eating doesn't have necessarily a connection just with the negative feelings yeah it can be positive feelings as well yeah um it's I, I suppose from my perspective I kind of more you know pretty much agree with exactly what Denise says and Denise can speak to this subject at least on a, a psychological level way better than I can um but it's just to say that you know we I think Denise is right like if we look at the link historically between food and an emotion it's always been there so to, for us to develop this as a behavior pattern would not be out of the realm of anything that isn't unusual mm. uh, and you know so many foods now are designed to basically tap into the pleasure centers into in your brain so they're designed to evoke more positive emotions um so so yeah again it makes total sense about why someone would gravitate towards food in any given emotional scenario which can be good and and they can be ones where you're still reaching for food when the emotions are negative so Mm. yeah it makes total sense the one, the one that I, I tend to see a lot with uh, with my clients, as, at least, is boredom. Mm. And I, I struggled with it myself a couple of years ago, but I, it took me a long time to realize that that's what was happening. Yeah. And I can still tap into it once in a while. I can find myself into, you know, just sitting there quietly on the beach and then, hmm. I would like to munch on something, yep. but I, but it's just because of the boredom thing. It's not because I'm hungry or because I have nothing better to do. It's just that in that particular moment in time, I feel bored. Therefore, yeah. the mo- the movement of taking something to my mouth and munching on sounds really appealing. Exactly appealing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wonder, is there a connection that we do with the movement? Do you know if you know when you're you know like like the smokers have the habit with smoking right and whenever they Mm. they they want to stop smoking and people do stop smoking then they tend to still have that reflex of taking something to their mouth and some people gain weight because they're eating more than they used to when they were smoking I'm just wondering if there is such a connection there there absolutely must be I mean I think the physical like kind of act of chewing food is part of the reason that sourdough is actually so enjoyable to eat is because it's got that texture where you really have to chew it mm. so you kind of get that enjoyable factor of of the process of eating so it's not just uh the sensation of the taste it's also like that act of chewing and mm. i know this is and in particular with dogs as well this is why like so many like like they they say or a lot of dog behavior experts say that you know uh dogs find licking things really um relaxing Mm. so they encourage you to use a lot of different I mean they could be just trying to sell you products but they use a lot you know you see a lot of dog behavior experts kind of using these things called lick mats which are these like texturized silicone mats that you kind of smear food into put it in the freezer and your dog just kind of licks and licks and licks to also get the treat of the food but that act of licking for some reason uh is is pleasurable and calming for them Mm -hmm. um so you know, there there definitely is something in that pleasure element of of actually eating, which isn't necessarily related to the food in itself. Um, and there there probably is a habitual thing where if you're used to if you're used to an association of either a certain emotion or uh, 
I don't know, like you have a certain habit, right? Like at 9 a.m., that is when you have your, your cup of coffee for the day. It might have nothing to do with the caffeine in it. It's more the habit that's actually mm. really important um, as opposed to, yeah, the actual what the coffee is actually doing for you. So, yes, behaviorally, there absolutely will be a thing because your your body's like or your brain is producing these nervous system connections um these brain connections and you know you learn you learn by habit by Mm -hmm. repetition and you build connect brain connections and they get stronger and stronger so yeah there's totally a neurobiological basis for there being a particular habit uh, which may or may not involve food um but yeah boredom's a really interesting one um is it all right if I share some of my personal experiences sure so I am definitely, I would definitely class myself in the emotional eating group. Um, for me, my kind of quote unquote triggers, I suppose, are absolutely feeling bored. And sometimes when I'm stressed, but it depends on how acute the stress is. Mm-hmm. If it's just like long term, low to medium stress, uh, mostly medium, we'll call it medium, then it's kind of the combination, I suppose, of the boredom and the stress, and maybe the boredom is causing the stress, who knows, that will cause me to eat, to come, to basically comfort eat. Um, but obviously when my anxiety then really gets high, that's when I can't eat because I, I always feel super sick. So it's it's a really interesting pendulum swing that I have mm. where like, depending on how stressful I, stressed I feel, that will massively influence my intake. I wouldn't say like, like positive things that are happening that I have the same pull like oh I need to have cake if I'm at a birthday party or whatever I don't really get that so much for me it's it's way more the yeah the boredom stress element that makes me want to comfort eat that's kind of my own personal experience anyway Mm. yeah it resonates a lot with what what I've been engaging with in the past in terms of boredom and I wonder how do you how do you stop the you know or get notice of the fact that you are eating just because you're bored? Yeah, it's a good question. So I I try and question myself like, okay, am I actually hungry or am I bored? And then what I'll try and do is say, okay, if I need the feeling of of ingesting something, but I don't want to reach for the unhealthy stuff um then I'll try and like I will try and have like tea um or like herbal tea for example or um I've got like a ton of like different bloody drink powders in the sense of um like ones that have got magnesium in it and and then a green powder and I know that sounds like a terrible substitution for chocolate and it in some ways it is but like I can also sometimes forget to drink enough water so then I'll put those in my water and then I'll sip on those instead to try and get that feeling of having something mm-hmm. without actually having food maybe I'll have a mint instead um just some or like you know but at the end of the day if I am hung like if I'm hungry then I'll then yeah then I'll just eat but but yeah. otherwise I try to just stick to fluids instead and try and get that same feeling because mm. sometimes you can't counteract boredom like you just can't like you're at work and you're stuck and looking at a spreadsheet like n- like you can't make that ent- entertaining and so <laughs> you can't really distract yourself from it either because it has to get done so 
yeah, like it's a case of then just trying to replace it with something healthier. Mm. Mm. Yeah. How about you? Um, my tactic now is to not to do it the first time in the sense mm-hmm. that if the craving shows up and like, mm, I would mention something, I, I don't question so much whether or not I'm hungry or not. Sometimes I do, but I tend to just go like, okay, let's give it 10 minutes. And I, you know, continue doing whatever I was doing or nothing because <laughs> I was already bored of something. And I just don't, don't jump at the first, uh, you know, call for, for something to, to eat. And I just wait because for me, waiting actually is, signals that oh actually you don't need it and my thought pattern now goes into a a roller coaster of why would you eat that that's not even nice to eat at this moment in time or dinner is only an hour away or you know it allows for a free flow of thoughts so that's Mm -hmm. my go-to at the minute and also I don't know if I've picked this one up from somewhere um but I have started to use this saying it to myself in the sense of I'm not that type of person I don't know how to put it in a in a different uh... so for example um, when you think about the future and what you want to achieve call it manifestation visualization whatever you want to call it you see a certain Mm -hmm. you know behavior a certain set of things that you would be doing at that moment in time whenever you reach your goal whatever your goal is right and you try to embody that before you get there that's the that's what we tend to do right we want to act as if it's already happened so that it's easier to get to where we're going yeah and i use that for specifically for for food uh when i'm bored i'm like but that's not the, that's not who i am in the sense that's not the type of person that i am that's not i'm not the type of person that eats when she's bored i'm the yep. type of person that goes for a walk or drinks a glass of water or something else so i'm trying to implement that as if i'm already there where i'm no longer yep. eating when i'm bored so I'm projecting it in that sense. And it seems to be working so far, touch wood. It's a, it's a new thing. It's been only a couple of weeks. And as we know, with anything, it has to stick around for a long period of time to become a habit. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm out of the woods, but I'm implementing that now on a constant basis. And I, I feel a, a, some sort of reward, some sort of release of dopamine or any other beautiful neurotransmitter because I feel like yeah 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 you're not you know I feel like I'm saying it to myself and a small version of me saying yeah yeah, yeah that's true that's true <laughs> so yeah it it's quite good. it's quite interesting as well like it in this new job because I'm uh, out and about meeting sort of our customers and clients and things like that like my eating pattern now is going to look totally different because mm. I need to have a big breakfast because I'm not always super guaranteed a proper lunch. So like tomorrow, for example, I'll travel to one place. I have a small gap to then get to the other. So like I may have a time for a snack, but not really a proper lunch. And it's not every day is like that. Like sometimes I have bigger gaps. It's just a bit all over the place. But equally, like I'm not because I'm not sitting anywhere because I'm not behind a desk. I don't get that opportunity to 
mm. mindlessly eat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was genuinely also one of the appeals of the job, like genuinely, yeah. because like it forced me to regulate myself. Yeah. And there wasn't obviously the only reason, but like it, it certainly gave me pause for thought. And even like doing it last week, like, yeah, like you just, you have like, it's much more like scheduled with specific times for breaks and therefore eating. So it's just really, it's been a really interesting, it's going to be, and it, cause I've literally only been in the job for like four days cause we had a bank holiday last week in the UK. Um, yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting for me to like understand actually what of the, what I was doing before when I had a fully remote desk job that I actually didn't need quote unquote need on a mm-hmm. physiological basis that I don't do now. Mm-hmm. So it'll be really, really interesting to see what, what, yeah, like ha- like how much my eating pattern changes and, and yeah, it's just gonna be really, really interesting. I mm. think that's, that's good. Um, you, you put your detective hat on, as I say to my clients and see what, uh, what you're gonna discover by having this new rhythm of life. Yeah. I think like, where my downfall is as well like I don't know maybe this is going off topic now but like actually no this is totally irrelevant we'll carry on with what you're saying well I was going to say just so that not I don't leave an area of mystery is like it's harder to pick healthy things when you're in a group of people like i.e with your family mm. and so it, I think it sometimes makes it harder to ignore not mm. because your family is stressing you out but it's just harder to ignore emotional cues when you're in a group of people mm. where you can't get away not get away but like make healthier choices mm-hmm. so you're kind of giving into the more pleasurable foods because that's what everybody else wants but that was completely off topic and we'll, we'll go back to yeah emotional no. eating <laughs> yes <laughs> well speaking of eating I just wanted to uh, ask you to share with the the world what does physical hunger mean yeah so we may have mentioned this in season one I feel like I covered it but I'm very happy to cover it again but basically if you imagine there being like you know that you've got a gauge on your car like the petrol gauge right Uh so you've got you've got a uh indicator that can swing left to right on an arch um yeah and if you imagine at each end of this arch uh one side is a type of hunger that is called um um homeostatic that's basically refers to uh, ba- your actual physical need for food. So it means that your stomach perhaps is empty, your blood sugar levels are dropping because you haven't eaten in a while, your tummy is maybe rumbling, um, you're starting maybe feel a bit fatigued and you're definitely are feeling like physically hungry. That's homeostatic hunger because that's all about maintaining balance in your body. Mm-hmm. Then on the other side of that gauge, um, on the other end is what we call hedonic hunger. And that's because, you know, we don't just eat food for calories, for vitamins, for minerals, for fiber, for other nutrients. We also eat for pleasure. Um, And so hedonic hunger is more about satisfying the pleasure element in your brain uh, and in your, and yeah, like your, your experience of food. And so sometimes when in life we aren't receiving quote-unquote pleasure or positive feelings in other realms we kind of uh, that hunger that we are experiencing or the desire or the craving for a certain food for example is more coming because we're trying to 
satisfy our hedonic hunger as opposed to actually needing to eat because mm. you are physiologically hungry and mm. physically hungry. So that's the difference between the two. Now, these are these are governed by, you know, you have different hormones that are running around your body that determine your hunger. So there's ones called leptin and ghrelin that are very much involved in the homeostatic version um, of hunger. Uh, when they sing, where one signals uh, that you're full, the other is basically that you're hungry. Um, and, you know, with unhealthier lifestyles, leptin, um, I believe, is one that signals when you're full. That signal gets disrupted basically, you know, when our metabolic, um, uh, our metabolic health changes essentially for the worse, then you become what's called leptin resistant. So it's harder to know when you're full. Um, now with hedonic hunger, it more relies on what we call the, what is the dopamine reward system. So in the center of your brain, there is a very strong neurotransmitter release. Um, and that neurotransmitter is called dopamine. And that is what helps you when it's released in the brain, feel that sense of pleasure and, and reward. And so the process of eating, you know, eating anything, but particularly foods that we find more comforting, like chocolate, mm -hmm. um, be it fried foods, salty foods, super sweet foods, um, they all help to trigger a release of dopamine, which is a really pleasurable feeling. Um, and that is more what governs the hedonic system of hunger. So those are the two right. systems. But these are super powerful inbuilt mechanisms is what I was going to say. And so it's totally normal and understandable why we sometimes are very fallible to these signals um and why they sometimes can get a little bit disrupted because there are just so many other factors that fit into hunger you think hunger is a really simple concept but it's actually really isn't and you know like i said like changes to your stress level alters your cortisol level alters your blood sugar um and therefore impacts your cravings like there are so many things that goes into the feeling and process of hunger that you kind of as you become more aware of how your mind and your brain work you'll become more able to, as Denise talked about, be your own detective and work out what are your patterns, what is helping you, what is unhelp which unhelping you, which what is unhelpful to you. Yeah. Um, and therefore be able to work out where you could improve your habits to improve your health. Yeah. And that's it, that's a perfect segue into what I was about to say is that checking in with yourself is key here. So mm. you need to start to begin to explore what is happening which hunger is it that you are addressing and some questions that you can ask yourself like are you frustrated or mm -hmm. are you having a, a hard time paying attention for example or are you worried about something because these are the questions that you can ask yourself and you can say, oh, am I worried about something? Why have I, you know, reached for a bag of yet another bag of crisps? Or why mm -hmm. am I going straight to chocolate? And you can you can ask those questions to, to try to understand and get awareness. Or you can also have a look and be honest with yourself and don't lie because we are all guilty of this. But oh, are yes. you eating larger portions than you normally do? Mm -hmm. Be realistic yeah. and objective of it because we all lie when people ask us this question i know that and also do you feel a loss of control around food are you starting to plan your days out with people that you love just because there is going to be pizza or ice cream there so those kinds of things you need to mm -hmm. 
ask yourself because nobody else can ask them for you. So you need to see whether there is a connection between food, you know, and unhelpful behaviors. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, also, if you physically notice a change in yourself, like, you know, maybe you have gained weight and we know that actual physical weight isn't necessarily the best indicator of overall health because you can gain weight for a variety of reasons, but it's a reasonable one to start out with um just asking yourself you know and not all weight gain is bad like let's be clear um Mm. but equally like if you if you you will know yourself better than anyone even when we want to deny that a change is happening you will because things don't fit the way that they used to you notice a change whatever um and it's just you know it's really hard to be honest with yourself and it's hard I think to um to be honest with yourself and accept that something has changed or that mm. you may not have a, now have a, as healthy a relationship with food, but that's not key. What's key is what you do after that. Like mm. it's saying, okay, this isn't ideal. And it doesn't have to be that this is bad. This is wrong. This is whatever it's, there's always just, I think it's much better to think about things as, or at least that's what I've learned through therapy is things that are helpful and unhelpful. So this is actually unhelpful and it's not helping me achieve my health goals. That's mm. the long and the short of it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, then what is it that I need to do differently? And this is where I think some of the tips that Denise is probably about to give and maybe some that I can also input with then start to become very, very useful. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely noticing is key. And both Denise and I will do this with our clients is, you know, we, we get you to write diaries mm. of what your behaviors, your habits have been like so that it helps understand what the patterns actually are. And you don't have to do this for very long, I don't think, to be able no. to really pick them out. And so many of them you will actually know, but sometimes it helps to just see it and mm. realize, oh God, I'm only sleeping like four or five hours a night. This is why I'm so constantly tired. And this is why I'm needing sugar to cope. And sometimes it just takes the physical act of either writing it down, having it on your phone, doing it online, however you want to to write this stuff down uh it can be it can just be so eye-opening it can because we are masters at lying to ourselves Mm. and that's that's why as you say I always give this at the beginning is write a a diary of you know uh most often it's regarding sleep that I do but I also do it in terms of mood or food so how I, what have you had, you know, an apple and how do, how do you feel half an hour after the apple, four hours after the apple? Yeah. Are you feeling sad, hungry, angry, you know, overwhelmed, whatever the feeling that might be there, but without becoming aware, you, we mm-hmm. are just using our hypothesis. And this is where we sometimes are very bad to ourselves bad in the sense that we don't see things objectively is because we always minimize or obsess over and do the other way completely uh, you know make things much bigger than they are we are not objective so if you if you ask somebody how much did you eat yesterday oh I ate just enough but if you write it down you might be surprised that you might be under eating or you might be overeating and that's why it's so important to put it in some sort of format that you can look upon and draw your own conclusions rather than, oh, I know what I'm doing. 
well, do you really? Do you really have yeah. all the details? And I think what's really actually on a personal level quite important is being quite careful about who you, who you share that information with and who you yes. have these conversations with. And this is potentially slightly controversial, but I've definitely been in situations where, you know, I've mentioned that I'm feeling a bit more self-conscious and that I know I've probably been doing a bit more uh, overeating than I should have or eating the wrong things, I should say, rather than overeating. And and that happens to me even as a nutritionist, right? Like we, we will all have moments where we're more on top of it than others. Um, and everyone has their own opinion, opinion, opinion on nutrition is what I was mm. trying to say and what is healthy and unhealthy. Like you get the keto diehards, you get the fasting diehards. You, everyone has an opinion. And I find nutrition more than almost any other field apart from actual medicine in itself is so bloody opinionated. Oh God. And yes. I've, I don't find it that difficult talking to other nutritionists because we're taught to be very non-judgmental. And I think by nature, a lot of us are, although I can't speak for every nutritionist that's out there because we're all human. Um, it's, it's, it's really difficult. I think to find people like I just think you have to be quite careful about who you speak to the people who you choose to let in on that part of it and because mm -hmm. of, part of your life because I think like when it's open when it gets openly judged and you just feel even worse and that kind of thing really sticks with you mm. which is why working with someone who is qualified and trained in these fields it, it can be genuinely so useful because we are not going to judge you like Denise and I are human like we've been talking to you about our own experiences and we we're completely honest on this podcast and um you know if i i'm friends with a lot of nutritionists we will have crepes or ice cream every now and again or have a burger like it happens it's fine it's normal it's what happens the rest of your like daily life that actually mm. really matters um so yeah so i would say after you've done the noticing piece if you need to share that with anyone absolutely do you should be able to talk about it and find people that you can share your struggles with and everyone has their own battles with everything with you know their own thing but just be careful about who those people are and you know because what you don't want to do is make that situation any worse yeah absolutely it's a very very good point thank you for for raising that because I was just thinking about it from past experience or you know being in a group of people and in a social setting, everybody tends to have an opinion, as you say, about mm -hmm. the, and my most recent conversation was about calories, but calories. And I said, well, there's a lot of studies and a lot of research now that actually says that we are not really yet equipped to calculate calories correctly. So it's an exactly. approximation yep. and it's not as important as everybody makes you believe. So stop mm. counting the bloody things because you're not even counting the them as something in, that's accurate exactly yeah. mathematically you're not counting yeah uh, but this uh, person was so such a diehard with the calories and uh, you know calories in calories out you know fitbit whatever type of thing yeah but they're notoriously and, like no yeah yeah they're all in you're right they are all in approximation but I, I do think calories in terms of helping with like portion control over the course of the day is a decent indicator but it's not the complete story right because mm. you could have 
like like a thousand calories of car of like white oats is not the same nutritionally as like a thousand yeah. calories of like pep like peppers I don't know I'm just picking like or oranges or whatever it's yeah. it's yeah it's it's a it's very much a metric to be taken in context of your wider patterns of eating um and not the thing that you should just live and die by basically yes and that's that's the conversation I was having because they were like oh but you should really count the calories because you know calories and calories throughout as in exercise and so on and I was just like yeah but you know you can have your fits whatever on your phone and track everything and you could have a thousand calories of Ben and Jerry ice cream that could be a thousand calories and I'm sticking to my calories quote unquote so but that doesn't mean that I'm healthier than I was yesterday because yeah, I'm actually yeah. just having fewer sugar so it was a it was a conversation that yeah we don't need to mention anymore but it was just interesting and you're right everybody has an opinion everybody starts uh, giving you their two cents about it even if they know or don't know anything about a topic and they are do trying you know to convince you of something else. And you know what I really hate at the moment? And I hope to God no one that I speak to that is about to get, na- not named and shamed, but called out, is like when people send me bloody YouTube videos of like, oh, well, this person said this. So like, oh, God. And I'm like, oh, for Christ's sake. Like, there are some great <sighs> creators out there, right? Mm. Who do ethical creation of genuinely useful content let's not knock them I would like to think that we're kind of in that category right or we Mm. would and we would like to do more and give you more and we hope that we're going to do that in the future and so there are some phenomenal creators out there but there's also a very like there are creators that are very skewed that are not giving the whole picture of what we do and don't know about nutritional science and about health and well-being Mm. and I just honestly when I see someone like and I've got one person one or two people who just send me stuff on a day like almost day and I'm just like I can't deal with this I don't I'm not gonna I just can't I just (laughs) I know I know Uh, and there's just some creators I cannot stand and like I honestly my heart just sinks when someone sends me content from certain creators who I'm not going to name um and I just think oh for Christ's sake like the lot I don't want to learn about I don't know I personally unless I really can stand behind a creator because they're using I know they're using the best information that's out there or Mm. they are explaining the scientific study in detail and where the biases are where the problems Mm -hmm. are with that study I'm not interested. I'm just not interested because then I, I just don't feel I can trust the opinions that you're giving. I concur. Um, you know what I mean? Like I just find mm. it so demoralizing when someone sends me a, yet another yeah. YouTube video. Yeah, yeah. I I find it. Ex- <laughs> now I'm <laughs> we completely got sidetracked, but I find it uh, uh, similarly annoying uh, when people get hung up on some sort of. Uh, word from psychology for example most often than not is trauma right oh god don't even get me bloody started somebody gets hung up yeah i know i know somebody gets hung up on that and then they start sending me all of this special people out there that decide to take it to the mth degree and then i'm like okay 
Thank you very much for sharing. And then looking into the creators, as you say, no, they haven't studied psychology. No, they haven't done anything specific in that field. They haven't followed any courses or anything. But then all of a sudden, they are a speaker for psychology and trauma, and they know everything. I bet they- I know who. I bet I know exactly <sighs> who you're talking about. I'm. I'll, I'll have to ask you off air, but yeah. I, I have a feeling I know who it is. Oh gosh, and then I'm I, like, I, I, <laughs> I get completely yeah. like you know. And then the other thing that happened more and more, and I have to say if the person listening to this gets the hint well you get the hint is uh, sharing other people's podcasts with me talking about similar topics that we are covering and I'm like oh that was a great one yeah <laughs> listen to ours as well <laughs> that's interesting I'm gonna have to ask you again off air like which ones who they've sent you I'd be really curious to know but yeah that's yeah, that's not really that helpful, is it? Uh, no, not really. Yeah. So I'm sorry, uh, we got that. completely sidetracked. So coming yeah. back to our yeah, yeah, emotional yeah. eating and hunger and physical hunger versus the emotional uh, one. What you are interested in, dear listener, if you are thinking that you are in the category of emotional eating mm-hmm. people, is to A, first recognize. Recognize the patterns that we said. Keep a track. Keep a diary of your food. Be honest. Put it away from anybody's eyes because we know we don't like to be judged when it comes to food. So keep it safe and write it down so that in two weeks' time you can go back and you can actually see bit by bit what have you had and how that food made you feel. Mm -hmm. Because you might be surprised, you might be having burgers all the time, and then when you're writing down how you feel, you feel crappy. And then... Maybe that's your sign to stop having bloody burgers all the time. You know, you have to think about it from that point of view so that you can understand what is going on. And your body is always giving you hints. We're just too busy to listen. So that's what we encourage you to do first. Or as if you're like me, you just distract yourself to the nth degree so that you don't, you avoid thinking about this stuff. And like, uh yeah and and I get that the process of writing it down in or recording it in some format feels terrifying because even being confronted with a piece of paper or a spreadsheet or whatever is is scary but the point is we all have to start somewhere and Mm. you are just starting from your start point it does not matter where that start point is the point is that you start somewhere and the idea is that you're you're incrementally as we always talk about in this podcast you're slowly slowly step by step getting yourself to a better place mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that the place that you started from is so diabolically bad it's just your starting point and that's all it needs to be considered as it's just a start it's just a start and with the you know being a cliche and all your future self will thank you because time will fly anyways we are all gonna be you know getting older in 20 years you might as well get older speak for yourself Denise healthier (laughs) I'm gonna stay this age forever (laughs) it's just it's just the thing we we, I think we we get so hung up sometimes we don't really understand that we are not doing any of this for anybody else's sake we're doing it for ourselves absolutely yeah 100% and you are as you as Mira just pointed out you are at your starting point whichever the starting point is And then you are going to make progress from that starting point. 
that's all there is and the only person that you are doing this for is yourself mm -hmm. yeah yeah and uh you know what again working with someone uh or buddying up with someone who you know is not going to judge you who's only going to support you um and wants the absolute best for you is really the ideal person that you're looking towards uh when you kind of talk about this kind of stuff um mm. just to make sure that you are safe and in like in a psychological sense and not feeling judged and, and just basically making the situation inadvertently worse um is really really important um yeah so I would say I would definitely say that and so I'd be so once we kind of get to that point and you're probably about to get to this anyway Denise once we're at the point where we know we want to make change mm -hmm. what comes next well what comes next is first you pause remember mm -hmm. our micro pause that's what I would recommend everybody to implement is to take a little pause before you grab whatever you were grabbing in terms of food whatever you want to change so let me take a step back once you see your diary your food diary and connected to your mood and you mm -hmm. see some patterns take one of the patterns that you are interested in changing and break it down into smaller little pieces so for example yep. if you see that you are always having burgers three times a week you're having burgers and you don't feel very well after you've had them and you decided this is not the way I want to continue I want to stop having them so often it's not always working to go completely you know from one day to the next that's it I'm never ever gonna have burgers again because then they mm -hmm. can become a subject of oh the you know prohibited fruit so what you can do and what I would encourage you to do is to break it down into smaller pieces. Say, previously I was having it X amount of times a week. Now I'm going to have one day less. So if it was three days a week, I'm going to have it two days a week now. And I'm yep. going to choose the days and I'm going to take a decision about it. Because when you take a decision and the decision is yours, you feel empowered to take further decisions down the line. And then you're going to mm -hmm. give yourself time and see, okay, that's it. I don't really want to do this type of food anymore. It doesn't make me feel good or it doesn't agree with me. I don't want to have a, a box of biscuits every week. Yep. I'm just going to go and swap that either for healthier biscuits. That's one option. Yep. Or I'm going to have less of the biscuits because not everybody again can just go, okay, that's it. No more chocolate chip cookies. I'm going to have digestives instead. It's, it yeah, doesn't it always does. work. It depends on who you are and what works best for yourself. I currently mm -hmm. have a client that, you know, goes completely cold turkey. That's it. I said, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to do it anymore. They have that type of approach and it yeah. works for them, but not everybody is the same, right? So see what the patterns are. Identify the one that you believe you're most confident you can change. And mm -hmm. then start changing it. When I say most confident is if you ask yourself on a scale from one to 10, how confident do I feel that I can take this step? It needs to yeah. be a nine or a 10. Okay. If it's an eight. See if you mm. have something else, because you remember, you have to make it easy for yourself to stick to. So you have to look at the easiest one in so that you can build that confidence. You can build that new habit 
that new decision and then mm. continue. You don't want to set yourself up for failure. You don't want to say from tomorrow, yeah. my whole diet changes, my whole this outlook changes because that might backfire in a few weeks time. And then you will be back on the yo-yo roller coaster. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good point. Like, I actually really love that. I've never considered rating it on a scale and then working out, not working out, but as in thinking, okay, what actually would be the easiest to implement, but, but it's a, such a good point. So, you know, even if I think about myself, like, okay, so now that I'm on the road, like five days a week, what are better for me snacks to have? Mm. Like, okay, maybe it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but having, taking some dried fruit um, and nuts uh, so that I get a little bit more protein. Yes, I have some sugar to keep me going. There's still fiber in that. Is it better than grabbing a chocolate bar? I think so. Mm. Um, for example, that's a good example. Or if I want to try and get better at drinking water, but I don't, plain water is not the most exciting thing for me. I wish it was, um, but I'm like, okay, well, number one, I add ice to that water to make it more palatable. Number two, or yeah, hot water, whatever works for you. Number two, like if I have supplements that are in powder form that make the water taste a little bit of something, or you, I want to add sliced fruit, uh, whatever it is, mm -hmm. do like tiny things like that. And sometimes I suppose what also this lends a really good example of is even if the reduction is really challenging replacement I think is another really good option mm -hmm, I don't know how you mm -hmm. feel about that Denise yeah um yeah. so that yeah again it it needs to come from where you are as a person what type of yep. thing is palatable to you right because mm -hmm. it might be that for somebody it will be extremely exciting to replace the uh, crisps with oven popped something versus the previous yeah, yeah, yeah. ones you know yeah absolutely and like and it requires experimentation it requires patience and it requires perseverance um you need those in equal measures to to make change I think happen um and it's not easy we're not sitting here saying that this stuff is easy but therefore make it as easy on yourself as possible and definitely picking the smallest changes that you have the highest confidence that you can achieve in is a really fantastic way to start yes because guess what does that reinforces your behavior i.e your brain who likes repetition who likes things that they can predict right it mm. would be like oh so we've done this new change we replaced biscuit a with biscuit b and we've done it successfully oh okay that will encourage yourself to do something different again because yeah. there wouldn't be so much resistance. I mean, obviously you can speak about it much more eloquently than I can, but my understanding of the brain is that the brain wants to keep us safe in mm -hmm. the present that it knows in the sense mm -hmm. that it knows the actions, it knows what comes next, even though you are in the in a massive uh, emotional eating yo-yo yeah that is safe for the brain that is yeah what I know it, I do know what you mean do. yeah it's 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 a scent yeah it's a habit I agree even when it's funny isn't it that we will still do the things that are unhelpful even though in the long like even in the, the short term they actually end up making you feel worse for that instant kind of initial 
symptom relief mm. it's amazing what we'll do like we'll indulge in something that's too fatty and then makes us feel unwell afterwards we'll still do it anyway in order to get that hit of pleasure and so what we need to do is in addition to you know what Denise has been talking about and like kind of in order to break that cycle we need to find other ways of hitting those emotional benefits of the the comfort eating or emotional eating but without actually engaging in the unhealthy mm. behavior um which we will also talk about at some point in this podcast yeah but, yeah that yeah. we will leave that for for the future episode yeah cool so if you want to make a change and mm -hmm. you want to look after your health for uh you know the blessings of future you because even if you want it or not future you is still gonna exist <laughs> you're mm -hmm. still gonna get there i mean the the time is is passing anyways you might as well pass it better and feel better about it in the future so yep. start very very small make the smallest substitution or replacement or cut out of your well, you know food behavior and mm -hmm. see how that makes you feel because you need to understand if that makes you feel good in the long run and it needs to be something that you don't consider as a chore because believe it or not you will not want to do it again if you consider yep. it a chore so it needs to be something that you can find some sort of joy or pleasure in, even though it might be replacing a tasty chocolate bar with a digestive biscuit. Yeah. That's, that's where my, uh, yeah, my two cents are. Yeah, I think, and as Denise has made some really good points, like first step is always notice what's going on. So you kind of have that initial, like in the back of your mind, you're like mm, things aren't quite right. And then it continues and it probably gets a bit worse. And then eventually you're like, I can't ignore this or I feel unhappy, whether it's internally or externally driven. And then and then the sitting down with yourself and just writing out what your patterns are, your daily habits. There is no one judging you. No one ever needs to see it. Uh, you can share it with a qualified professional like Denise or I, who will never, ever judge you for that. Um, and work out what your patterns are or what your, you know, where your weak points are in terms of you get the slump at like 3 p.m. And that's when you're starting to reach for the comfort foods to give you the energy to keep going for the rest of your day or whatever it is. Right. And, and, and just spend some time noticing and take the micro pause. And one of the easiest ways to start with change is to do the micro pause. And it doesn't mean that you don't after the mic. So the micro pause is basically right before you're about to engage in that behavior, whether it's reaching for the bag of crisps or fruit or uh, I don't know what, whatever crisps, chocolate, whatever. Just think, am I hungry? Am I not hungry? Am I bored? You know, whatever it is. And you may still decide to go ahead and eat that thing. That's fine. But what's important is you're making the time to practice noticing and becoming more mindful and becoming more present and understanding what's going on for you in that moment. And then once you notice all that, then you can think, okay, I know that 3 p.m. is trouble time, mm. as a lot of people do. So what is the thing that I can do that I can change in that time period that I think is achievable? And maybe it is as small 
as like knowing, okay, well, actually, instead of going to the snack drawer, I could go to the crisper drawer in my vegetable crisper thing in my fridge or like, you know, the drawers where you keep your fruits and veg and reach for an apple instead. Maybe it is just that simple. And maybe because you like apples, it's actually not an insane change mm. for you to do. Um, and it doesn't have to be like that. It can be, you know, the, it's as wide as your imagination is, right? Mm-hmm. And just try that and practice that and get used to that. Buy, buy the bag of apples and do it for a week. See how you get on. See how you feel afterwards. And run these little experiments until you find something that works for you. And change doesn't happen overnight. Like it takes time to learn habits. Um mm. So yeah, just be gentle with yourself and just persevere, experiment, um, and and just yeah, reflect. Yeah. I think. One last thing I would like to add because you've said it so beautifully, Mira, is mm. also for all of you and for both of us here. Just seek joy even in those things when you're changing something when you're trying the bag of apples you know thing or you when you're trying to make uh, changes any type of changes food related or non-food related see it for the joy that it is that you are capable of engaging into this experiment and that's what I meant by seeking the joy because you might not feel necessarily joyous that you're replacing chocolate with an apple but the joy knowing that you have the capacity the control the you know self-assuredness to do it that should you know give you a little bit of of uh, of joy and sprinkling it in with your changes because at the end of the day if you are capable to take any of the steps that we've just said why not feeling joy about it? Totally. And maybe you reward yourself in other ways. Like, I don't know, my other, not downfall, but like my other dopamine hit is definitely a bit of retail therapy. So maybe you just like treat yourself to like, I don't know, a new a new snack box to take with you on the go to include healthier snacks, uh, which is what I'm doing. Or uh, maybe it's a new pair of workout leggings or whatever it is that you're interested in, maybe it's something to do with your hobby, like mm. a new set of golf balls. I have no idea. Like, make yes. like I agree with Denise. Like, bring some joy into the equation. Like, it doesn't have to be super serious. It doesn't have to be extremely grueling. Like, just take the time, reward yourself in other ways um, that are healthy for you, ideally. Um, and and yeah, just just keep going with it and and have confidence that you can you can do it because you can. And on that beautiful note, we are going to love you and leave you. It's been a pleasure uh, chatting to you, Mira, as always. It's been a pleasure doing this uh, for ourselves and for you guys. I would like nothing more than all of us to eat when we're hungry and leave the food when we are not hungry Mm -hmm. (laughs) and also be able to enjoy all of the beautiful foods out there, knowing that at any point we can just leave it and Mm -hmm. it will still be there tomorrow exactly absolutely have a beautiful day wherever you are listening from and we will see you on our next episode totally take care guys Bye. bye